Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I'm sad because I've been gutted and strung. Oh, I'm Kevin, and I'm a very sad farmhand. And this is Potter, and I'm a very sad princess. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yes! Yes, I win today. You did Fantastic. win today. So, so obviously by our theme, our intro theme, guys, we're we're talking about the sad news that dropped this week of Guild Ball. That's that's right. We want it to be just like every other podcast that probably did this last week from your perspective. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, we got to yeah. talk about it for a lot of reasons. Yeah, many reasons. <sighs> okay. Uh, before, though, we got some hobby progress and game news i guess we should probably talk about yeah because yeah. there's some there's some important things going on that uh you know the uh displaced guild ballers might be interested in yeah yeah for sure i think displaced guild ballers and also like just talking about what it might mean to play a dead game like there's plenty of people to play dead games um i mean look at what happened with blood bowl right blood bowl was carried by the community for a decade you don't have to stop playing Guild Ball. Well, we'll get there, right? We'll get there. Yeah, let's talk let's about Hobby Chat first. Uh, I think I mentioned that I did Loki, Hella, and the Relic Blade Ogre on the last podcast, which makes me feel real lazy. It makes me feel like I haven't been hobbying at all, because all I've been doing on is working on nine multi-bases for Kings of War, but it's a process. So that's all I've done, is I'm just working on bases and priming 30 some odd miniatures for my next batch of kings of war painting well damn son (laughs) like that's no joke i know what you put into those damn bases yeah that's a lot oh yeah i saw you nine of them yeah i was like there was a lot on discord you posted up today yep yeah i mean it takes up my basically my whole hobby mat of of bases is a lot of bases hmm and for people not familiar with Kings of War and haven't looked at any pictures, they're not like 20 or 30 mil bases. They're like, you know, some of them are 80 by 100 mil. Some of them are 150 by 50 mil. Some of them are 120 by 80 mil. Some of them are 75 by 75 mil squares. They're big. Yeah, that's crazy. And you're going and doing a water base on all of that. That's right. right. Yeah. Cork-mounted mm. cork water bases. Mm. Yep. Man, you are a brave hobbier. <laughs> I'll tell you, good, though, there's, good there's, on you, man. There's really good nothing like when you get them all mounted, though. When you get a regiment mounted on a big multi base, and like all that effort comes together, it's it's awesome. Anyway, Chris, what have you been working on? Uh, let's see. Um, I'm looking at stuff. So I started working on Valkyrie uh, the other day for MCP. Um, then you guys, or well, Paul talked us into doing the Maya Cast Paint Challenge for Infinity. So, oh yeah. So I got some base coats on my trauma dock, and I built some uh, CR or some drone bots for Pano today. I also painted my mini for that, but I don't want to talk about what it is because I don't know all the stuff. So you'll see it eventually, and I'll talk about it eventually. <laughs> you you wait. You painted your MayaCast mini already? No, it's one of the ones I primed today. Oh okay, okay, cool, cool. Anything else, Potter? I think that's it. Awesome. That's a good amount, man. It's a lot of painting for me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You were like, I was like, hey, guys, let's try. Let's let's do this. Let's just have fun with this. And like 
30 minutes later, you're like, I'm started. Here you go. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, yeah, I had nothing else to do, I guess. That's, that's like Valk the most effective. Too, though, Chris, the Valkyrie is a cool mini. Yeah, yeah. Valkyrie is cool. Um, I'm, I'm, ver- I'm pretty happy with where it's at. Like I started the purple a little darker than I wanted. So I brightened her up and I think I'm just going to go in and try and throw in some glaze it of some shades and that are darker instead of doing it the way I had. But I found the um, I found the actual comic that the sculpt is based off of. So okay. I'm trying to, to mirror the color scheme for the comic as best as I can. Oh, that's cool. That's what I did too with mine. That's okay. I took an image out of a comic or I, I took a specific style of Valkyrie out of a comic and that's how I paint. I had painted mine. So more power like to you. That. I've uh, somehow found some time in here to uh, get some painting done, but that's mostly because I contrast painted. I did a contrast paint on a uh, Kappa Trooper out of the O12 side of Beyond Wildfire or Wildfire. And uh, that, I mean, that's it. But I, did prime oh no that's not true i also uh got some i blocked out my colors on my nox troopers nice yeah yeah doing a neat uh, what i think will be a neat color pattern for those we'll see if it uh works out in the long run we'll see but yeah so that's that's three o12 models done in contrast and um if i'm if i'm lucky enough to have some extra time over the next two days day uh, maybe I'll uh, go play a game with Potter and have a fully painted army. Very cool. That'll be fun. I know. Uh, yeah, and that's the other thing. Uh, Potter and I are going to get together and play a game, Kev. It's awesome. I'm so excited that you guys are going to get to play. Yeah, I'm super excited. Chance to play some Code 1, you know, just some just some basic Infinity stuff and just, just kind of flex the muscles, if you will. I mean, yeah. I haven't yeah. played in, I haven't played a single game in, God, what, six months now? Wow, yeah. Yeah, I think the last time I went out and played anything was February. Yeah, that's where I think it was too. I mean, I haven't even done like tabletop simulator or anything. Like I know I know you have, Paul. I don't think – have you, Chops? Have you done any of that? Um, no, I, so I met for some socially distant gaming at a park and I played some Relic Blade. Nice. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. How'd that go? It went really well. Uh, I went to a park. It was a really nice day. It shows a day it wasn't too windy. Uh, went out by the water, pulled a bench off like around the side of a building where it wasn't at quite as breezy as the water facing side and played two games of Relic played, uh, in a couple hours. It was really nice. That's fantastic. That, that sounds like the kind of thing that you discover in quarantine and then you realize you should still be doing afterwards. Oh yeah. I forever, like, I, I can't wait to play some like park Bushido. I think like that would be it, it would, cause Bushido is so calculating. It would just feel like being like two old guys in a park playing chess, but playing <laughs> Bushido. Yeah. That would be cool. I fully support that. I'm looking forward to like, future stories of that yeah that'll yeah, be fun and, and park benches are perfect for two by twos they're maybe a little small for three by threes but any game that plays on a two by two or if you're playing like a 15 point game of code one mm-hmm. um, works pretty well nice yeah cool uh all right so uh let's 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 talk a little bit of news we went long on on hobby chat so yep. let's uh Let's blow through some news here. Yeah, let's talk about the Games Workshop stuff first because it's, it's less interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blood Bowl Season 2, although Blood Bowl Season 2 is actually very interesting to me, and I 
can talk all sorts of shit about how little Blood Bowl Season 1 I played, but there's probably no force on Earth, aside from being dead broke, that will stop me from buying the Season 2 box. Um, just because like, I have a soft spot for Guild Ball, and the models are maybe the best thing Games Workshop's done so far in 2020. Wow. Uh, you you said Guild Ball. You said you have a thing for Guild Ball. Did you mean to say Blood Guild Ball, Ball or Blood Ball? I meant Blood Ball. Okay, okay. I had cool. Guild just, Ball just on the mind. Check. But Blood Bowl, yeah. But I, I mean, I have a soft spot for Blood Bowl too. And uh, the the Orc minis that are in the Season 2 box are just mind-blowingly good. Yeah, those um, are really good sculpts. They're just so good. Uh, and then also, uh, for the new 40K starters that we talked about last week um, will be out this – well, you will you will hear this. They'll already be out. They're out 815. So, wow. Um, That's came, a quick turnaround. fast. Yeah, yeah, it was – yeah, it was fast. That one was – wasn't expecting it. I was expecting next month. Also, a thing I saw, if anybody was curious about Aeronautica Imperialis, I saw starters for it for 40 bucks on Amazon – the the because they've they've released a second starter pack for Aeronautica Imperialis now and the first starter pack which is a legit two player starter with orcs versus IG for uh, for forty bucks so nine planes dice mat rule book uh, and all that stuff for forty seems pretty good if that's your jam yeah that's not bad all right what's the more what's the more interesting stuff Kevin that's Infinity Infinity this is it's Infinity Week. Uh, yeah, for us it is right Infinity now. Week is. right now. Yes, for us as we recorded it, we're in the throes of of Infinity so Week. Oh, much goodness! It's it's so exciting. It's it's when I realized, um, as as I was saying at the at the beginning of the show uh, or pre show, uh, apparently I'm like an Infinity player now because that's all I've been really paying attention to and really excited about all of this stuff that they've announced over the past two days. And I don't even know that I really understand all of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You and me are, it's I think awesome. on the same spot on this one. Cause man, uh, like I so just been, though. I've been, I've been waiting for Carlos to drop the next bit of information every single second. And when I saw, when I saw Shona's stats and this morning, I, I freaked out and I was, and I'm like, okay, I guess I really into infinity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when I yeah. saw the the Cosmoflow army list, I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm so in." They just it reminds me of the Belters from yes. uh, from yeah uh, from the Expanse, right? Yep, so, absolutely, I'm, absolutely. Uh, crap, crap, Kevin. Now, now, don't make me want them. I'm way into it. Way, don't and make they me can want take them. William Wallace, man. If, uh, and if they yeah. do like an alternate sculpt sculpt for like William Wallace in a spacesuit, I'm gonna lose my in mind well Dude, that'd won't. be amazing i'm just saying <laughs> and so the so the funny thing is is like and i guess this is where i my my realization that i was catching on with infinity lingo is when you typed up ww and somebody was like what's ww and i was like it's william wallace i know this yeah that's how you know you're an infinity player you've studied the list enough you know you knew exactly you were like ariadna oh that's william wallace oh that's i've played is. i've played a local guy's william wallace enough to know yeah yeah he's gross um yeah, usually you only have to play him once to know. Like, stay away <laughs> from that dude. Yep, yep. Um, so the thing, the news though, is that the right now the pre-order bundle is out. So the pre-order bundle comes in at a whopping uh, 144 euros, uh, but it is the Starmada action pack, which is a 250.012 army, uh, the book with the lore book and the rule book and exclusive miniature for Octavia Grimm's daughter. Uh, and if you order them both for that bundle pack, you also get this Shona model that Chris referenced full free. 
Yeah, which isn't bad. But if you if you don't want all of that, you can get all those bits individually. Separately. Other <laughs> other than Octavia, because she'll eventually get a different sculpt. Exactly. Uh, but that Octavia sculpt that they're giving you is dope. Yep, it's pretty badass. So it's I'm just, excited about all of that. The Stermata stuff looks amazing. Yeah, all the Stermata yep. stuff's good. All of it's good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably pre-order it. I'm on the fence like today, but I'm sure by the 28th I'll jump in because a I want that Octa- I want that Octavia sculpt for Reality's Edge, <laughs> also for Infinity. Right? It's just an all-around great model for like Cyberpunk. Her rocket launcher is just. Mm, it's yeah. so good. Well, yeah, uh, and Paul, you yeah, it's just. Mint. Did you see my text when I told you she could play for Shavasti? Yes, I saw that and I heard that, and that is amazing. And yes, so that's why I put in a pre-order for the rule yep. book. Today. And also, yeah, it, so and if you were looking to jump into Infinity like on the ground floor, um, it's actually it's not a bad spot to do it because that O twelve action pack gets you a brand new. I mean, and if you combine that with the other O twelve, you'd be able to do some vanilla and um, uh, Starmada sectorial stuff right out the gate oh yeah and you have yeah a, and, you'd have and, options. and you'd and you'd have uh i believe just about every option for code one if you were more into that yep, yep. yeah because you get the because you get the a they get the hmg kappa and the sniper kappa like well and the it, and the crushers yeah i mean but it fills out the list right yeah yeah right yeah that's what i mean the crushers, the crushers are on there yep. so yeah yeah so there's a there's a few things on there that that really flesh out your options plus saladin mm-hmm. is just awesome yeah, plus Saladin, yeah. right? And yeah, I, I hope Saladin gets a profile for. Is it NA two or Hack that he'd be for? I don't know. Either way, I'm sure he'll get another. I think he's. I think he's already got one for Hack, if I remember correctly. Yeah, maybe that might be right. I, that's yeah, one thing I, I don't know. That's that's the one thing about um, being into Infinity is that my understanding of Spanish accent is isn't always right. Great. Mm. So I, I know he mentioned Hak Islam, but I don't know if that was like, hey, we had designed them for that way back when and that never came into fruition or if there was more stuff. So if you know anything about that, please don't judge us and come on our Discord and, and tell us. Or Yeah, yeah. That's, that would be good. Okay. Yeah. But that's the news. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about for uh, in 4 right now? No. Um, I really want to get to the main topic, to yeah. be honest okay. with you. Then let's I've been do chomping it. at the bit. Yeah, me too. So let's move on. Uh, so we're going to yeah. talk about Guild Ball and... We're going to talk about the news that came out um, on the 10th. So as we record this, it is August 12th. And uh, early on the morning of the 10th, uh, Steam Forged dropped a bomb on the community in that Guild Ball is officially no longer supported by Steam Forge games. And they are clearancing out their inventory of the game. Yeah, yeah. Sale started today as of recording, I believe, August 12th. Yep, wow. it did. Yep, the sale is up. And we'll talk a little bit about the sale because, who damn, I spent a little bit of money today. Um, uh, just because I wanted to complete some collections and it was cheap. But anyway. Yeah. All right. So, you got... Paul, um, should we start with this statement? Uh, yeah, so uh, Matt Hart, well, I guess Steamforge as a whole released a statement saying that they were not going to support Guild Ball anymore. And they had Sherwin and Jamie Perkins and Matt Hart all make comments or write some comments about uh, Guild Ball uh, in general. You know, they gave some some justification for for why they were doing this. 
Yeah, I'll say there was a lot of back, backpack, back padding, uh, and some weird justification without, I think, justification without acknowledgement mm-hmm. of some of the other things. And I think that's where the, because the community it is, is, is upset. Is salty the right word? <laughs> I don't like that. It, feel, it feels like a, a killer salt yeah, powered robot. Been, Twitter, Twitter's been, oof, Twitter's been tough to go through. Merciless. If if you if you Merciless. if you like watching people uh, tear into other people on Twitter, this is for yeah. you. That's for yeah. sure. That, I think that's an understatement. There's, there's, yeah, there has been some anger, and I mean, understandably in some parts, because I think there is a way to read this statement as blaming the competitive community for shrinking the design space and giving the game an artificially lower uh, shelf life. Which is, I don't think that's a fair uh, statement. Yeah. On their part, on their part. I, 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 well, yeah, yeah. And, and I think you can legitimately read this statement that way. And I don't think you're wrong for reading the statement that way. I don't know that they intended it to come out that way, which is why you should always have a good social media person. I'm going to be perfectly honest with the, with the both of you. Until you guys, until Chris told me that he wasn't reading it that way, I didn't see another possibility of reading it. Yeah, I, I get it, right? I and totally once, get once it. Once you started putting your your point of view out there and I started looking at Twitter and seeing so many other people with your point of view, I definitely felt like, okay, I'm in the minority on how I'm reading this. And I, you know, I read through it a few times to reread it and, and to, to look at – the point of view, and and I get I get it now. I get why people feel that way, and I understand, and I and I do think that they're justified in feeling that way. Yep. Do we want to get specific into what was said? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically, uh, I'm not going word for word. Basically, Matt's comments were that uh, they were they were looking at trying to do more things with the game, and uh, essentially. In order to do that, they would have to upset the competitive players. Uh, so there was no way to get new players in. So with COVID, just screw it. Why Why have season five? Because we'd have to wait so long. Yeah. Yeah. That that feels that feels about right for what. Yeah, and, and I and I think for and I think the reason why I think a lot of people upset outside of the fact that it's just like a, Hey, kind of F you kind of thing is they've always been open and honest that Gilball has had a short lifespan and that they wanted the game to be a hyper competitive game. So when you design a game that's got a short life lifespan and designed to be a hyper competitive game, you design the rules. You made it that way for four seasons, you know, don't go and blame your players for playing the game that you designed to be played as. Yeah. my So, the, and my read on it, so the read before, like, I was able to think about it more and realize that some of the salt is justified, uh, was that it wasn't that they were blaming the competitive community. It was more that the competitive community revealed the shortcomings of the design space and and it it truly wasn't as open as maybe they thought it was like their ambition for the game didn't quite fit what they actually designed and they only found that after releasing the Mm -hmm. game right um and i think for me and i'm still going to choose to read it that way you can think i'm an idiot i don't care um yeah because that that I don't think people come into the world with like rotten expectations for the most part, especially people that clearly love this game as much as Steamforge do love Guild Bowl. And you can think they don't because they're 
there the people that came in uh and the financial backers that came in after dark souls had to guide the company in a certain way but the people who designed this game love no this and, game. and they do and i mean so so you know from my initial take on it you know before i looked at the outs, outs uh the the mindset of where twitter was and where paul's coming from you know my mindset was when i looked at it it was hey we designed this game this way we kind of made a mistake and we realized we could, we dug ourselves in the hole because of COVID. Hey, we're leaving. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and that's and, what the, that's what they were trying to say. Yeah, right. It but just it, didn't come it, off. But that. it came across. Yeah, because because especially when they mentioned that anytime they released a new model, it was instantly judged as OP amazing or trash. Or right. trash. And, and yeah. I saw a lot of stuff where, I'll, but that's actually and true. that's not no. untrue. That's yeah, not that's untrue, true. right? Yeah, and I. Yeah. Right, but that, but but that's part of it, right? You they designed a competitive game that you can you you can take and you can you can math yourself into and out of situations, right? Right, and and that's what people liked mm-hmm. about it is that is that your understanding of the mechanics would win you or lose you the game. Right. Like you can you can negate you could do a really good job of negating the luck mm-hmm. on that game. Yeah, it's because the it's because the, the the probability curve is so easy to understand. Yeah, right? and, I, and I think and that's where and I think that's where their statement in their uh, in their message saying that you know it's it's not you know it's not fun for a new player to come in get their demo game win that first game and you know come off on the high and then start buying an army and come in and play they don't know how the game works in terms of those probabilities that you're talking about and how to use that system because they've only played one game. They're going to get their teeth kicked in for months. Yeah. It says guild ball can became the type of game where you can win your first game in a demo and then lose the next hundred. Right. And that's an accurate um, statement as, as someone, yeah. you know, I came in, I think Paul, you and I came in the r- roughly around the same time, very kind of towards the end of, of season one where I don't think yeah. it was as bad, but even then, like, I don't think I won a game of Guild Ball against someone that's been playing for a while for, you know, maybe 10, 15 games. That's true. You know, um, but for me, and I never played that way, right? Like for me, it was always like a, just a fun diversion game. Like I never got into the game to that degree. So, yeah, I mean, I, I went to two or three of our local tournaments as the meta here was building, um, you know, dude, our meta was hardcore. It was. I mean, kudos to to, to Lawn Sims, the, the 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 pundit here. I mean, he did. I mean, he put his blood, sweat, and tears into the community when he first got here, and it was great. It was a lot of fun playing these. I mean, I, we met a lot of people playing that we're still friends with to this day, and you know, some of them have moved on to other games, and you know, they, it was a great community. And I'm I'm sad to see that it's gone because of a lot of. The mistakes that were made outside of mm-hmm. out, on the mistakes that they didn't even point out in their statement. Yeah, I, I and and the, the things like the fact that there were years where the game it was hard to get a new person into the game because product was impossible mm-hmm. to get. Like if and, you wanted to get that, someone into a guild, you couldn't get them into it. And that's what that's what's so frustrating, right? Is is they go and they go in this statement and they make these points about. You know, the game design being too limiting and, and competitive players being too grumpy about changes and blah, blah, blah. But they never, they never admitted any fault on their part, right? Like, even when they were admitting fault in their game design, 
if you look at the way they worded it, yeah. they were like, yeah, we tried to make a competitive game and we did so good at that. Yeah. The problem is, though, that like so, so did Privateer Press in right. the second edition of War Machine. And that's not what killed War Machine, right? Well, War Machine's right. not dead, but that's not what hurt War Machine. The thing that hurt Guild Ball more than the design space, in my opinion, was the distribution problems. Mm-hmm. Like the reason I got into Malphone, like it was I had a forked road, right? I could double down hard into Guild Ball, or I could I could leave be trying to become a pundit and start playing Malifaux. Uh, and the reason I chose Malifaux is because I searched Amazon after my demo and like anything I wanted was available and I could get it anywhere I wanted to. Like I could go to other web stores and find it and I could special order it at my FLGS. So Mm -hmm. the availability of the game and the fact that there was a a meta coming up in the area and a passionate henchman meant that like that was the game I went with because even for me as a person who loved Guild Ball, I knew then like five years ago that it was hard to get a new player into the game because of the distribution. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just, and yeah, at that point it was anything. all metals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was, so, I mean, that was when they were still doing things in house essentially. Yep. Yeah. And they were like three player starters with single blisters. Yeah. Right? I, like, I mean, it, yeah. And the only, the only real way for you to be able to get material or our product was if your FLG had did a direct sales with directly mm-hmm. with us, uh, with Steamforge. Like you, that was, yeah, that was later. Yeah, that was a later change, right? Like there's a lot of things. But it didn't help. It didn't help. Switching materials twice. Like they, so uh, Guild Ball has been made in every, every single material now. They've got models in metal, models in ABS plastic and mm-hmm. or, model or in whatever rep. PVC and models and in resin. Uh, resin. It's a, dude, that's, and that's a nightmare. And I know for a while it was like, all right, well, some are going to be in this, some are going to be in that. So this way it was less of a strain on, on each manufacturer. Yep. You know, but, but, and uh, go ahead, Chris. Well, then it's like, you know, pre, and then you've got pre built models, you've got unbuilt models. I mean, that they're all over the place. I mean, I, and then like, we're going to get rid of, you know, doing, you know, blisters. We're going to put every, all the teams in one box, which is great for a new player. Don't get me wrong. But for me, who was building a union team at the time and I was missing two, three models to complete the whole union team. Now I'm going to have to go rebuy this whole box just to get these two models. Bullshit. I don't right. want to do that. It was and horrible was, for veteran players. And then there was the disaster of deciding not to go to Kickstarter and go to Indiegogo, which is an untr- I mean, trusted, but not trusted in the mainstream sense platform for trying to launch their plastic butchers and fishermen to try right. to see if they could get the original guilds repaired. Like there's just a lot of missteps along the way that they don't hit on in the statement. Well, but but and and here's the thing that bugged me and and I think this is this is why I picked up on it so quick is that when they when they because they they mentioned in that part they call it like it's not always smooth sailing mm-hmm. right and so that's where I thought they were going to be like hey it's been rough but we learned a lot about running a game company mm-hmm. right we've learned so many things and I thought for sure like yeah there were things that they did wrong but at that point you don't mention that right you just kind of mentioned something that you learned, but you don't necessarily want to take the blame for it. Right. right? So an easy one for them to have mentioned at that point would have been the boat with the navigators on it flooding. Right. Which was an act of God. I mean, they they could not do anything about that. That was beyond their control. Would have been a perfect way to say, yeah, this wasn't smooth sailing. Make a navigators joke. Ha ha ha. Yep. Perfect. 
But instead, they went with COVID nineteen and and competitive and, players and, and, comp- and competitive players are too grumpy. Yep. Yeah. And and that and that's where I picked up on that real quick. And I was like, wait a second. If you're gonna if you're saying goodbye to a community, right? If you're saying goodbye to a community and you're saying it's not always been smooth sailing, you take that as an opportunity to say that you've learned as a company and running a company, and you've made. Choices that didn't pan out great, and you've made cha- cha- uh, decisions that worked. Well, and especially since you have other you have other product lines that you're you're p- putting out. You know, they just put out all the new stuff for God tier with the dragon, the the mother of dragons thing that they've got. You know, they still have uh, kick Dark Souls, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the Devil May Cry game, uh, Resident Evil game that they're all doing. You have other product lines. Basically, you just said f off. And now you have other product lines you still want people to buy from you? Yeah. yeah. It's it's rough. It's it's rough. Um I was, it was yeah, it was just a very interesting decision and I'm surprised that like they let Matt put that out. Yeah, it it feels it, real bad. It, it felt like it didn't go past PR before it went on the on the website. Uh, I mean, I think I think it did, and I think mm. that it just that, that nobody mm. nobody in the business side had. I, I I don't know how they don't have a critical mind because like every time they put a public statement out on anything about any board game, it's just it's a constant wave of salt. Right, and the, you know the crazy thing is before it was salt over the the Dark Souls situation. Mm-hmm. And the miniature community always came in to defend them from the doom. Mm-hmm. Always. And now they just shit on that part of the community. Yep. So it's, uh, it, I, I, oof, man, I'm worried about the future of their company. If they can't make their role playing accessories as successful as the critical role stuff was because of critical role being successful. Like they, they need the critical role guys to play them. That's what they need. Uh, or yeah. else they're going to be in bad. Oh shape. man. I forgot. I forgot they even had that coming. I forgot about Dude, that. Well, yeah, they have the Epic encounter. So right. they have those miniatures. They have the cobalt one and that like giant 11 inch dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, I mean, from a, from a business standpoint, that's great, right? You design the model, make it, Sell it. You don't have to do all the rules, right? right? That's the overhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've got the they've got some of the best in house sculptor sculptors in the business. Yeah. Like you might not like the style, but the style is is appealing to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean the so the guild pop, the butchers hands down. You know, outside from the fact that again, me playing, I want to killy killy. Like. They were some of the best sculpts that attracted me to the game. Like, dude, there's Russ so is much an incredible sculptor. There's Russ so Charles much flavor and, to and them. And Sean Sutter are my favorite sculptors, yeah. hands down. There's so much flavor. And then when those blacksmiths came out, it, even mm-hmm. the farmers, like, I, I didn't like the aesthetic of the farmers, but the sculpts on the farmers are beautiful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. They just and become the next GW and be a model company. Come on. Just, just move on. Oh, that's what uh, that's that might be what's going on. Well, over I mean, there. even their, yeah, their, we'll the see. Devil May Cry models are good too. Yeah, I hope they recover because, like, Jamie Perkins is awesome. Yes, Russ he Charles is. is awesome. Matt Hart is an extremely competent game designer. Well, and they've got um, uh, Doug Seacats over there now, isn't he? Yeah, and 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 no, uh, not D, no, no, but DC uh, they uh, have DC. Yeah, that's DC, who it was. Not the, the Doug Seacats still at Seacats still designing Legion stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But yeah, DC, great, great writer. 
Yep. Yeah, I wonder if he's still with them because they just let a ton of people go, though. No, um, he's credited on the most recent things they've done. So yeah, I mean they would I they would so. be they would be dumb to let him go. Yeah. All right, all right, guys. So we've uh, should should we turn this around and and maybe do just a little bit of like in mem- memorandum and like. Talk about the good parts Memorial. of Memorial. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's so let's do that. The thing that I I want to bring up, right, is that we wouldn't even be talking right now. Well, we might be, but it, it might have been later or it might have been under different circumstances. Mm-hmm. But the reason that we're talking right now and we have this podcast is in partial thanks to Guild Ball. I, would th- uh, I was thinking about that the other day after the announcement. I thought about that. Yeah. Guild Ball is the reason I started playing miniatures games again. Uh, Paul hounded me for months to yep. like, basically he told me to kickstart it and I stupidly didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the year that it was launched, I was at the launch at Gen Con and I, I played a demo and, and spent my entire Gen Con budget that I hadn't <laughs> spent on board games. I just spent the rest of it on Guild Ball. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, and this is one of my favorite stories too, is that I was visiting my parents in Florida and went for a walk and talked to you the entire freaking walk and almost got eaten by a fucking giant ass snake because I was so busy talking to you, caught it last second. And then like somebody drove by with a golf cart and the damn thing attacked the golf cart. So I'm like, man, if I had, <laughs> I would be dead right Florida's now. Florida's the worst. <laughs> oh, Florida. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Guild and and Guild Ball as a game design is incredible. It's oh, it is. a very good game. Oh, and that's yeah, exactly. Just like they said, they did a phenomenal job of exactly what they wanted to do, making a strong competitive game. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I I remember so Paul. I mean, we'll go with the trend. Paul got beats playing Guild Ball because. It was it was right at the end of when him and I were trailing off from playing Malfo, and I was in the we both were playing in the competitive meta. Um, you know, I, I placed in a couple of tournaments, and he, we were trailing off, and he's like, "Oh, go try this game." The guys meet out here, and it just initially it just instantly clicked with me. And then the next mm-hmm. thing I know, I'm like, I'm talking to him. We're t- I'm talking butchers. I'm t- he's like, "Here, hold on." And the next thing I know is we're in a group chat, all three of us, and I'm like, "Who is this dude?" <laughs> He's got me talking to. That's right. That's right. Because I'm like, oh, Chops knows about about butchers. Here, talk to uh-huh. talk to Kevin. And that was like that was like what a year and a half before we ever decided to start a podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Oh, at least at yeah. least. Yeah, because the butchers was my first team before transitioning into Mort's and then settling into farmers as like my favorite team. Yep. So um, thanks for that, Guild Ball. We appreciate yeah, thank the podcast you. and the yeah. friendship. And, um, and Guild Ball will always have a place for me. Like I, I fully anticipate playing games of Guild Ball into the future. I'll, you know, the game. It may, maybe it's not stable in four two. Like maybe there are some things that are too good or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know, but I don't think that hurts me with the people that I'll play it with. Right. The people that I play this game with, it's going to be more casual games. And the rule set, as we've said many times already on this episode, is very good. Uh, and it will stand the test of time and I think is already influential in the industry and will only be influential going into the future in terms of a rock solid competitive rule set. Yeah, I mean, who's to say that you know somebody doesn't pick up the reins and run with it. And I mean, and even, you know, even Matt Hart in his statement said, you know, the future is, you know, unknown, you know, 
they could come back and revisit it in the future. Um, so, I mean, I, I would say don't, don't, don't sell your stuff. Keep it. Keep playing the game yeah. the way it is. You, you don't know what's going to happen from a community standpoint, um, with house rules, people going out and advancing it, you know, yeah. and I mean, look keep- at the, look at the community for Android Netrunner. Right. Like it's, it's fully private now. Like it's a community run thing and they're releasing cards and they're keeping the, they're keeping a healthy meta, uh, and balancing the game themselves. So if there is a community around Guild Ball that is passionate about keeping it going, it can be kept going. Yeah. I mean, cause I think even some of the stuff I was seeing on social media where people talking about, you know, the, the tournaments and stuff are privately run. They're not Steam Forge run. So, you know, there's people are still planning on running Guild Ball events at some of these tournaments. Yeah, there's no reason not to. I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, it's it it's solid enough. It's good enough. Um, you know, it's I, the thing. The thing for me is that I remember, like, yes, they've always talked about Guild Ball. You know, having a slow growth and having a expiration to it. Right, that's always been a thing. We've always known that, and that it was going to go wide instead of deep. But it's 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 also kind of frustrating because. You know, it's been so long since anything new has come out, mm-hmm. right? It's been at least at least a year since anything's come out. Um, and, you know, there's there at, at one point they were like, hey, we have about two dozen thoughts for guilt. You know, and they got like nowhere near that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, I mean, they, they talked about what was left. Right. And I think the shepherds did come out this year, but that was the last mm-hmm. new thing. Everything else was just re-sculpts and resin reprints. Oh, I forgot about the Shepherds. Yeah, okay. and then yeah, like yeah, I know, yeah. I know they finally announced. I think they finally announced the Blacksmiths uh, Minor Guild, well, they, and then like, well, now we'll never of, see it. They did all of them, all the ones that were left. It was Lamplighters was going to be the Alchemist Minor, right? And we've known about that since season two that the Lamplighters. Well, yeah, were, I mean, I mean, and Lamplighters have been mentioned since day one, right? Yeah, in the lore. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the watch was the blacksmith's minor. The entertainers was going to be the brewers minor and the moneylenders guild is going to be the masons minor. Right. Um, so that was going to be, those were going to be the four season five teams that they were going to release. Um, and then that was going to be the end. Like that was planned on the end and they were going to announce that as the end. Right. Um, but then you ended up with COVID and because they did that, they did that whole thing back in March, right? Right. As COVID started, they did the guild ball, I don't know what they called it. It wasn't a play test, but it was like a weird thing. thoughts yeah. or yeah. Right. And weird. it was like, really? Like you want us, you want people to like, maybe try stuff out now? Like this is terrible timing. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I guess from that, they started looking at like, Hey, here's some, you know, ways we can make things better. And, and now after reading the statement, I can see where they were trying to, uh, like limit some of the, the ways you could adjust the math in your favor, right? Like they were looking at, you know, capping crowd outs, uh, at one, right? So this way you couldn't, like, if you're a master of getting everything into place and, you know, getting plus six or plus four to your, your hits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, so trying to cap that kind of stuff. Cause I guess that's a, that's a less feel bad for a new player, right? So, and I think they're so like trying to put more emphasis onto the soccer instead of the killing as well, too. Cause I think too much, I think too many teams started doing a lot more of the killy killy instead of the goal scoring. Well, and I think that's just part of a, the, the game design in that it's a valid way of playing the game. Yeah. Cause I mean, I know for a while the meta for butchers was to, to, um, God, take, whatever the pig was, I can't remember, truffles, and just give truffles the ball and just have sit truffles 
in the corner, and then they have the yep. rest of the team just go out there and murder everything. And that's how yeah. butchers would win. Yeah. I mean, it's a vi- it, it's a viable way of playing, and it goes back to what Kevin said about people, you know, about them not necessarily seeing that. And and granted, they've always tried to balance that, right? That's always been something that they've always worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but right. it just never. But the, the thing that happened there is that then the game got too fast. Yeah. Right. And uh, I did yep. hear – because I think that was about the time that I stopped playing was when a lot of those – because I, I think I stopped playing right at the beginning of Season 3 when the new plot card system came out. And I think I played maybe once or twice with the new plot cards and I've not I've not played a single of Season 4. Um, yeah. So. I played a little bit of Season 3 because I played Season 1 and Season 2 uh, and the first half of Season 3. Yeah. Because – I played Those plot cards came out partway through season right. three. I, I played quite a few games with my farmers um, in season three, and I really liked them. Um, I, yeah, I, even, I think I got them at pre-release too, and they were. I just loved that team. Oh, oh Guild Ball. Yeah. yeah. So, so let me let me ask you guys this, right? Yeah. So this is kind of a this is kind of a, a, a interesting moment, right? Because if you look at Steam Forge, they were they were. You know, uh, a company that was just an idea of, and then had the idea for the game and then went supernova, right? And now that game is officially no more. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of like potentially a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. But is this is this concept of, of games having an expiration date, is this something that more companies might need to adopt and consider? I think you have to, they have to be more careful about the way that they do it. If you're going to phase your game down and stop supporting it, you have to be a lot more careful with your community than Steam mm-hmm. Forge just was. Um, but I think that games do get to a point where there is just too much and they're impossible to jump into, right? Yep. Like uh, War Machine is a prime War example Machine. of that. Uh, yep. Games Workshop can be as well, too. Yeah, and I mean, Infinity could have been close if they hadn't decided to switch over to N4 and kind of hit the reset button on the the just woe factor a little bit. Yeah, um, and they've done it yeah. right. They've done but, but it right. Was, but that was that was that. I guess Infinity, I always see it saw it more as a rules issue as opposed to like Too model models. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, because they're um, they're starting to be a little. Steamforged with Guild Ball as well too, because you know more and more of these sectorials are coming out. And yeah. then now they fade, like phased out Toha, right? But like it, right, and that, and that, and that's where I'm thinking about it, right? From from the Infinity point of view, is like they're they they've obvi- they are obviously not afraid to say, hey, we can't get this army to where we want it, or uh, we don't like you know the design of the sculpts or or the fluff or whatever, so we're just gonna get rid of them. Like like it's not a new thing, right? Like Toha going away, that's not a new thing. Like when when they went from N two to N three, there was another combined army sectoral that went away. Right. And I think right? so it, and I think so it's not a new thing. Yeah and I, th- I think and, they're think they're doing I mean they and they may not they may not be doing the same thing as in terms of getting rid of whole lines completely, but they're also, you know, they're when, a, when an army gets to a point, like, they're just not doing anything with it anymore. It's still there. You can still play it. But we're just really not showing this section of that army any love anymore. I think that's fine. And I, and I, I think also there's a place for games to be able to just lay, too, right? Like, um, there are plenty of examples of miniatures games that don't exist anymore. 
and people will still play them. And mm-hmm. just because a game is is dead doesn't like not supported doesn't mean it doesn't have to be played anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think like and look, I think people G- still play Hero Quest. Like right. Yeah. It, it's fine because that you game is amazing. Play, but you be, and so is Guild Ball. And there's no reason you can't set a pitch out and play Guild Ball a year from now. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. Uh, and back to Paul's question, I think that discontinuing lines for games, where if you've gotten to the point, like think of it, let's think of it like a TV show, right? Uh, think about a TV show. There's plenty of TV show examples, and I don't want to shit on anybody's favorite TV shows, but there are some TV shows that went way too long, right? Like Jumping the Shark is a f- phrase for a reason. Right, right. Um, and miniatures games can jump the shark too. Uh, and I think uh, Guild Ball, it, as an example in this, they knew they were going to be able to get five seasons out before they started shark jumping. And I, I don't think that it's bad. I think as long as your community knows well enough in advance mm-hmm. and you treat the community with the care and respect that they deserve, then there's no reason that you can't discontinue a line to move on to a new game. Yeah. I think that's fine. And then maybe a couple years down the road, you can just reboot that game again. Um, and maybe give away for people to play with their old toys, all of the dead man's hand in, in Malifaux third edition. Yep. I agree with right. that. Yeah. See, and I was thinking about Malifaux as well, right? Like they've gotten rid of Ramos and, and Nicodem. And, you know, you can argue that it's, it's fluff reasons, but uh, I mean, really getting rid of Nicodem was probably for the health of the game. Yeah. I mean, they, that was going to throw yeah, so much and skew they replaced him with Von Stuck, who is like this, a similar area, but covers yep. the game in a more balanced way. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, we're, are we starting to see this era of not only living games, but also companies willing to say, uh, yeah, we're doing away with this because it's, it's not good long term, right? Like, you want to keep playing our game, but we need to do this so this way you can keep playing our game. And they should. Like, I'll make, I think, I think, I think Games Workshop should blow up 40K. I think they should let the Tyranids <laughs> win. And there's like some segment of some people that like escape out of the known galaxy to somewhere else. And then they reboot the sci fi, fa- the sci fi world somewhere else. Like, you mean like maybe going 5,000 years into the future through yeah. a time port- teleporting <laughs> Cirrus portal? From Nemo, I'm, dude, I I I think Privateer's <laughs> on to something with Warcaster. Personally, I think I think they are, and I think if the game can catch on, I think that puts them in a very good place to say, okay, we're dramatic. We're not going to stop supporting War Machine, but we're going to dramatically slow it down. Mm-hmm. So this way, we're we're reducing the skews that are coming out. And it's amazing because, like, you watch the people you watch. Because uh, I'm a member of Scorn Memes, uh, watching watching people melt down at you know. I, I guess it was you know lock and load or whatever that there wasn't enough War Machine information, and it's like they've got four other games now, you know, and and they're newer and they're fresher and they're more exciting. Yes, they're going to see a little more time. And there was a lot of War Machine stuff on there. Yeah, and and Warcaster is Matt Wilson's game. It's not as if it's a new person and it's their new blood. The person right. who invented War Machine invented Warcaster. Right. It's his yeah. game. Yep. And if you so, look at so, lead designer and lead rules designer in the rule book, it is Matt Wilson. But it's but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you can 
apply it to, you know, social politics and just look at, well, we've always had all the attention. Now we're not necessarily getting all of the attention. And that makes us feel bad. Yeah. You know, when when the Warcaster stuff came out, they were very much like, no, War Machine's not going nowhere. War Machine's not going nowhere. Do you guys really feel that this that is actually their plan? I mean, no, how, I how think strong they'll slow it down. It's not going anywhere. I yeah, think it's not going continue, anywhere. I think it's going to slow down. Yeah, they'll, well, they'll keep it, doing CIDs, but the I think they won't be released. The game's not going to get as many SKUs as it did. That, in and I guess, and I guess that's where my my question was Ever going to again. not not going like the game goes the way of the Dodo, like you know, Guild Ball is, but more along the lines that. Will we see no new models for it? And if we do see new models for it, it's going to be trickles. It's going to be trickles. Just like yeah. this year, it's probably just going to be Legion. The the it's, There's going to be a couple new Everblight models, and we won't see a lot of other new ones. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll probably see trolls like early oh, next yeah. year because they yep. talked about having trolls. So, I mean, I think we'll see it come out a bit slower. <laughs> but – that's only good for the game because once they started doing CID and they were having a CID every three or four months, the the meta was changing so fast it it, it ends up being detrimental. Like there's no time for the game to breathe, right? Mm-hmm. Which is its its own whole other issue, and I think they were seeing that. So I think I think they're I think they're in the right, despite too. the fact that there's a lot of people who are going to be verbally upset about it. I think. For the long-term health of the game, for War Machine, it needs that approach. It needs to be slowed down. I agree. They can't be. They can't be doing, you know, seven, eight major releases for each faction every year. No, that was that was getting a little out of hand. I mean, it, I still, I still remember. Like, I've been playing Signar since first edition or Mark One at the end of Mark One, and like even I felt as someone that had been playing Signar and doing their best to keep up, it was it was just too much. Yeah, I mean, I had yep. t- I had two I had two uh, full carrying cases of War Machine models, two. Like that's too yeah. much. <laughs> All right, so guys, though, let's let's transition a little bit. Okay, and, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. W- I wanted to make sure that we talked about that. I thought no, that no, that, no, that's really good. Important. I just think we've probably followed it to mm-hmm. most to of its to, natural yeah, conclusion. Yeah. Yep, yep. But l- let's 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 talk about for people who are guild ball players now um and they they want you know people want to keep buying models they want to keep painting models they want to play a game that's supported i understand that um so let's talk about games that are good for guild ball players and why those the games that we have chosen to list or talk about are good for guild ball players okay sure where do you want to start kev um well, I think the natural place to start is Marvel Crisis Protocol. Okay. And I think the reason to start with my Marvel Crisis Protocol is that it's no it's it's kind of like a, an open secret in the community that um a huge portion of the Guild Ball player base are people who jump ship from War Hordes going into Mark 3. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Like that is in large portion the player base. Like just I, I would I would fair to bet that seventy five percent of the commu- competitive community are ex war machine players. Oh, yeah, I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's a bad statistic. But I mean, yeah, and I think that's on that. That's like the low end, right? Like that's that's probably the low end of it. So 
with that in mind, Marvel Crisis Protocol, the lead developers, uh, Will Pagini and Will Schick, are going to be well known to people in mm-hmm. the War Machine community uh, as the, you know, maybe the architects of Mark II, which I think is uh, thought of as the best edition and when War Machine was probably at the height of its popularity. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yep. So, um, it has that design acumen and it has, and there is a lot of War Machine in Marvel Crisis Protocol. Like, the power feels a lot like Fury. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not exactly, but a lot like Fury. It's similar enough. Yep. And the, the fact that you can pick up and throw models borrows from Mark one and from monster apocalypse, which are games that both of them would have worked on. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the design acumen and the DNA, you, you can trace a lot of the mechanics for Marvel crisis protocol right back to war machine and hordes. Um, and then also there are some very good and thoroughly modern uh, aspects built into it, like the way scenarios are handled, the way crew building is, the way that the game is completely factionless. Um, there's lots of smart things that they've done. Uh, and I, I wouldn't say that that Marvel Crisis Protocol is a necessarily competitive game. I think it it, it is much more of your uh, like beer and pretzel style rather than the tournament play game. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't that. mean that it won't be fun for, for guild ball players, uh, especially guild ball players that are, cause there are, I think there are multiple types of guild ball players. And if you play guild ball, not from the purely competition aspect, but from the fun, you will love this, that press protocol. I think there's no question. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, yeah, there's plus the model counts fairly similar mm-hmm. to what yeah, you're playing low. with. Yeah, yeah, ten little, models, yeah. right? You're bringing you're bringing your your ten, and then you're choosing five to six at the start of the game. Like that's even similar to guild. Yeah, ball. it was like yeah, you're you're doing the exact same thing you're doing in guild ball. Yep, you're picking your crisis team, and it's very similar. Um, and you pick that based on the scenarios that come out. And again, the the mechanics are solid. It's just a fun game, and there's a lot of the, you know there's a lot of things to to mention too. If you if you're listening to this, you know because we posted it somewhere that guild ball players would listen. Um, it's a game where there isn't really alpha striking because all the characters have two different states. They have their healthy state and their injured state. And you can't take a character from healthy to dead in a single turn. Correct. Um, so except, well, well, except for one, one exception. And even that exception is not really going to get killed in a single activation because the health pool is too big. Oh, uh, Hulk. So, uh, yeah, I, I can wholeheartedly recommend MCP for a lot of reasons. And th- if you go, there are plenty of, I mean, Jay Larson of uh, fame has a podcast dedicated to the game. So if you want to listen to a lot of Marvel Crisis Protocol talk, you can go listen to, to his podcast. It's actually a very good podcast. I actually well. didn't yep. know that. I need to I'll check that out. Oh yeah, you haven't done. Yeah, it's it's a really neat podcast because he'll talk about the uh, they'll they'll go through comics appropriate to the person the character that they're talking about. Oh, very cool. So it's 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 partially game strategy and talking about how characters function, as well as getting into their uh, real fluff. I like it. I'll have to check that out. Thank you. Um, yeah. So that's Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um. Should we do, let's let's I want to let you talk about Infinity, Paul. Yeah, I think I think Infinity is a good place to go. And and for some different reasons than than Crisis Protocol, partially because Infinity is right on that cusp of a new edition. 
Uh, so it's it's kind of in that excitement level of like you know the players that have been around are excited uh, because they're handling the change very well so far by giving us the code one so you could kind of preview it and see how things function and then a good trickle of like new stuff and new stats and and how things are gonna gonna work in the new edition which is is a lot of its minor tweaks. And they're, they're taking a lot of the complaints people have had about Infinity in the past, which is its ridiculously bulky rule set. And they've taken it and they've made it much more manageable. Mm-hmm. Even over the past couple of days, as they've been revealing more about N4, we've been seeing this, right? Because things are like, if there's a modifier to a rule, it's straight there, right on the card. Right. Which is right, right wonderful. On the wonderful. Yeah, which is which is one of the best things they could have done. They took they got rid of nested rules, so you, so everything ju- every rule just does one thing, not seventeen different things. So I think it's in a really good place. Plus, Infinity, while creating a very narrative experience during the game, is also quite a good competitive game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Simply because there is so much tactical decision-making occurring throughout it that it gives you that feel of Guild Ball where whatever angle you're you're moving your mini can matter. Correct. Right? Where you end up is important and, and being able to see things. So there's a lot of that similar decision-making and, and putting things together. Plus, you also... S- similarly have the decision making on how you're going to spend your influence right except mm-hmm. in this case it's your orders right so you 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 aren't necessarily limited to 2 AP per guy um so you get a lot more leeway in in what everybody can do so i think there's a i think there's a while while aesthetically it's very different than guild ball i think the overall play style of the game uh is is going to offer guild ball players something interesting and something that they'll connect to. Yeah. I really do. And for competitive players that want to dive in, they can dive in. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think it's, I think it's so much. I think infinity is is similar enough to guild ball in terms of, of its learning curve as well too, because I think infinity even though it has had bulky rule sets in the past, the concept of infinity and how to play infinity, I think is, is easy. It's, Getting into those nuances and how certain things work, like you were talking about positioning your AROs and how to respond to AROs and all that other stuff. Like that's where mm-hmm. it gets down into the nitty gritty, that little, that highly detailed, you know, hard to master kind of area that I think Guild Ball had at a point in time as well, too. Yep. Yeah. And that, and that's why, that's why I, I really feel like N3 Infinity, once you, once you started figuring out how to flip through the rule book appropriately, uh, and got to focus on the tactical decision making is a very rewarding game. And I think going into N4, with it being a bit easier to manipulate everything, it's just going to be even more rewarding. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a really good time to jump in and to, to give it that go. Like, and there's just so much excitement. And like, like so many times when, when a game changes edition, there's so much trepidation from the community. And I'm not seeing that in Infinity. Sure. It feels so, good right now. It feels, yeah. it feels good to it feels be, real good. Yeah, it feels good on that end. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think another game, I, I, on, I'm looking at your call sheet here, Chops. I, I think one game that I think other players will, 
or gill ball players will like if they like the more of the sports ball aspect of it. It's not going to be a one for one, but Blood Bowl may be an area that people can go as well too. Oh yeah, and Blood Bowl's got a new addition coming, right. and they're incorporating a lot of the things that speed it. So. If you don't know, uh, Blood Bowl, the classic game of American football, as through the lens of European, through British guys, which is just great, <laughs> but played by fantasy races. Um, it's coming into another edition, um, and they are taking some lessons they learned from the scaled down version called Blitz Bowl, uh, which is a much smaller. It's a six on six version of blood bowl that plays much faster and they're taking lessons from that game and incorporating them into blood bowl to make blood bowl play faster on the table and be a little bit more exciting Mm -hmm. so that yeah that's definitely a place to look i mean i know i tried i think i tried blood bowl out god when it i think when it first re-came back out and i i i know i struggled with it because of the fact that i was so into guild ball at the time that there's just such parallel games and, and how they're played uh but again if, if the reason why you play guild ball was you like sports ball and you like the idea of murdering people while you're playing sports ball guild, blood bowl will, will, will definitely scratch that itch oh and blood bowl is real fun it's just like the rng can be rng ruthless <laughs> in blood bowl like it bad well then you can't have the uh, yeah, no, bad dice right. rolls can kill your game that's the like just literally kill you in Blood Bowl, and I think that's probably a turnoff for some people. But yeah. it's a fun game. Don't get me wrong; that game is hella fun. Uh, if you've never played the video game version of it, it's great. Yeah. So, uh, so next game you have here, uh, Chops, all you man, Bushido. Yeah, Bushido is the last one I want to talk about, and I think that Bushido is actually the best transitional game for for built for Guild Ball players, and I actually want to. Man, someday I'd love to do like a an episode dedicated to it, like talking about why, about Bushido in general. Um, but the reason why I think Bushido uh, is, is such a good fit for Guild Ball players is when you think about Guild Ball, Guild Ball in a lot of ways is a game about risk mitigation and thoughtful play. Like risk right. mitigation and thoughtful maneuvering are like the two marquees of a good guild ball player. Mm-hmm. And though, good lord, you know what though, Kevin, you just you just put into words what I was trying to <laughs> I mean, say. Yeah, about Infinity Infinity. is also about that too. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean in yeah. a very different way, but that's the co- that's the yep yep um, risk mitigation. And, and but good. Thank you. What, that one helps. of the, the key reasons that Bushido is, in my opinion, such a natural transition is if you think about the way the dice rolling and the way that the mathematics of Guild Ball work, it's not like other games. So for people who don't know, the way Guild Ball works is you have a you have a statistic called TAC, which represents your character's tactical acumen. And what it represents is that when you are attacking uh, an opposing player, you grab a hand of dice equal to your tack value and then you get additional dice for different things in the game like if you charged if there are other players engaging the player you're attacking etc and you can build this large hand of dice and then you roll all the dice and you're looking for a target number that exceeds your opponent's defense stat and the number of successes you get right. isn't like how much damage you do. It's how far to the right you can go on what's called the playbook. And each success that you get nets you better and better and better results and more and more options. 
and it's an incredibly smooth and predictable curve. And, and that is a, a hallmark of the game. And so the way that tests work in Bushido is you have a statistic and you roll an amount of dice equal to that statistic. Now, how this game works is that let's say that you are making a test and your thing is to roll four dice. So the first thing you do after you roll your dice is you pull out any ones because or after rerolls, you pull out any ones because ones are automatic failures in Bushido and they don't count. And then you take your highest result. So let's say you rolled a four. That's the base of your success is the four because that's the highest die you rolled. And then you can take any other two dice that you rolled that aren't ones and add plus one to your success level. So if you rolled, for example, a four, you can reasonably assume if you rolled five dice that the four is your highest, that you'll be able to get a six as your success level. Does that make sense? Because you get the four and you can add two more at plus one each. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, that creates a very smooth curve. Because if you roll a three as your highest, you're going to be having a five as your highest success roll. If you roll a six, it's eight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, And in combat, the way that this works is that players – that you have a combat statistic and it's a certain number of dice. Like let's say your combat statistic is five. That means you get to roll five dice in combat and you choose how many of those dice are going to be on offense and defense. And you roll all five at the same time and the stats for both matter. The attacker resolves their attack first. The active player resolves their attack first. So you say, was my attack higher than your defense? But then if the defender is still alive, they compare their attack dice to the attacker's defense die and they can do damage back to the attacker. And how you do damage is based on your success level. So in this game, if you had a six success and your opponent had a three success, your success level is three and that's a column on a chart. And then you roll 2d6 and you say, how far down am I in success three, right? So I have success three and I rolled a seven. So you go down to the seven and that's how you see how much damage you do. And I know that sounds kind of complex on as I explain it, but it's a very smooth system and it creates very predictable damage curves, but also creates intense decision-making situations, which is very similar to me as Guild Ball. And then also you have to factor in that players go from multiple states of active and exhausted. And when you're exhausted, you start to suffer minuses to your tests. So you have to consider where your people are positioned and the objectives they're guarding. Um, so the, the way that you play and position and manage your activations and manage the health of your characters and how you decide to roll offense and defense dice, it comes very similar to the dis- types of decisions that you make in Guild Ball. Very cool. And so I think that is why Bushido is a very natural. And also it's that same thing. Six, you know, small model count, four to seven minis per side, depending on who you play. There's one army where you play more miniatures. Um, and it's strictly objective based. Um, it, very good game. Oh, man, it's so good. And again, it has that similar risk management as a mindset. I think that that Guild Ball does. Yeah, that's a, I think that, I think you're right. I think that is a pretty good one. 
just in, in yeah, that mechanic. and it's it's just it's the it's the smooth curve, I think, and the the way that like the the curve is both smooth but also incredibly hard to predict because a lot of it has to do with player agency and how you position and how you play. Um, and and Bushido's another one of those right. games where the better player generally wins. <laughs> hmm. Right, making those decisions exactly. That's what wins you the game. Yep, that's important. So yeah. Um, Bushido. Uh, also, more people in general should play Bushido, guys. Holy crap. We, every time I'm at Atomic Empire with uh, Paul, we see Bushido stuff and he tries to get me to buy it. You really should. We'll, we'll, we'll do an episode and I will truly sell you on it. Because once you understand the, the problem with doing an episode is that like it's a uh, it's as hard a game to cover as Infinity is. It doesn't have as many. It's it's more of Infinity light in the terms of like Wild West Exodus is to Infinity. But it has a very uh, it, it's tight and it's it's an easier game to teach than it is to explain. Does that make sense? Like if you actually have the components and the cards in front of you, it's an easier game to teach than it is to like go rule by rule and sell why it's so good. Right. Um, But man, is it a good game? Well, I mean, I know if I ever picked it up, I already have the faction picked. So cool. Who would it be? I'm just curious. It's the, uh, the mountain samurais. Oh, the Minimoto clan. There you go. The bear guys. Yep. Hell yeah, those guys are awesome. I'm playing the Snake Boys, but yeah, yeah, um, Bushido. Uh, I can't do snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Super good. Um, yeah, so that was what I wanted to say. I just wanted to say that, like Guild Ball players, if you're listening to this and you're looking for a game to jump into, Bushido just had an edition change earlier this year. Um, so you're getting in at the ground floor for Risen Sun, which is the current edition. Uh, there are currently 12 factions, so it's got that faction width the same way that Guild Ball does, uh, and it has a decision space that's strikingly similar. Awesome. Awesome. All right, well, uh, final thoughts. Oh, man, I'm sad. I'm just sad. Like, not, not – I mean, b- because there won't be any new Guild Ball. You know, like, I was all, I've always been rooting for Steamforge, and I've always been cl- – like, I own seven teams – not all of them complete, but models for seven wow. teams, right? Um, and I mean, I, I have a fieldable team yeah. for seven. And Ooh. I have four complete teams as of today. Damn. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I, I don't know. There was, there was just so much ex- – I guess I'm kind of sad about the whole situation, right? Just because of the, the excitement of seeing the, the young upstart company come in and – kick some ass and then I feel like they just tumbled out of the sky. And that's, and I think that's what bums me out is that there's just, just, I feel like there was a lot of preventable decisions that, and, and, you know, like, like it's hard, like I don't run the company. So this is a lot of backseat driving. Uh, But I, I feel like as people that came from being gamers, I, I feel like they made a lot of, yeah, preventable choices um how about you potter i think you guys said the best so i'm just gonna say uh gilball uh steamforge thanks for putting us together and having a podcast yeah 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 the uh all right so uh thanks to all of our patrons they are amazing and i know my schedule has been funky lately so episodes are are coming out at odd times but thank you for supporting us through all of that and you keep us doing it. 
and we absolutely love doing it. So thank you. Uh, if you are interested in supporting us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash three men in a war game, or the link is in the show description. Uh, thank you to Static as a City for the music. You can also find us on Discord, uh, link also in the description. And you can also find us on all the basic social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at three men in a war game. And well, I, I guess that's it. So, so long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah. Bye.